In the four agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz reveals the source of self-limiting beliefs that rob us of joy and create needless suffering. Based on ancient Toltec wisdom, the four agreements offer a powerful code of conduct that can rapidly transform our lives to a new experience of love, freedom, and true happiness. Let's talk about how I hate this book and why you should never read it. Coming up. Welcome to the Book Basement Podcast, where I, Santi, talk about books five times a week. On Mondays, you can expect a longer interview, book review, or other book-related content. The rest of the weekdays, I share a book quote I found interesting and break down its meaning. Join me as we learn more about books, their meanings, and get some amazing reading recommendations along the way. Let's get right into today's episode. Hello, and welcome to a book episode of the Book Basement Podcast. I almost said book quote right there. Today we're going to be talking about The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, the worst book that I have ever picked up and I have fully read. Now, when I talk about this book, I want you to be self-aware that this is just an opinion. And if you have already formed an opinion of this book, please let me sway you in any way, shape or form. If you enjoyed the contents of this book, I respect it. I just don't agree with it. And yeah. Let's get into my criticisms of the book. My first one, and probably the <laughs> the most important one here, is that the only pieces of information of this book that are actually useful can be found as soon as you open the book. And that is because they are summarized in the little dust flap of the book. So as soon as you open the book, you get all the helpful teachings without having to read anything. And the four agreements are be impeccable with your word, don't take anything personally, and don't make assumptions and always do your best. Now, my problem isn't with the agreements itself. Uh, these are perfectly acceptable. However, my problem is that this book does a horrible job at explaining them. It basically, um, the author takes a guru perspective to his writing, and that's how I've decided to call it, which is basically where he he doesn't give any evidence to back up any of the claims he does in this book. He just presents them to you and he's like, you know what? I think these are right. I'm just not going to give you any reason why you should even consider them. But here they are and believe in them or else you will suffer for eternity in hell. <laughs> and that's basically the synopsis of this book. It doesn't give you any good examples. It gives you really bad examples, which I'll get into soon enough. But it's just, it's just a little, a little much, in my opinion. I don't like books that don't have any evidence behind them and that they're just expecting you to believe something because the author said so and because that's the way it is and that's the way of the wisdom and that's the way um, it's all intended to be. I don't like that. I think it's a little entitled to assume that people should believe what you say just because you're you and you've sold a book with 86,000 reviews. By the way, this book has 86,000 reviews. There have been 86,000 people that have purchased this book. And I don't know how that makes me feel. <laughs> I don't know if this guy's just a big Napoleon Hill type guy, which is just like... A, a huge con man, because that's what it seems to me right now. As I'm flipping through these pages, it's quite, it's just, I'm keeping, I'm, I keep remembering how horrible some of this writing is. The author just gives you all these, um, the, he, he gives you the four agreements, right? The four agreements, I have no problem with that, as I said already. They're perfectly good. Uh, if you follow them, I, I'm trying to follow them too. I respect it. 
but it's just the way that he goes about conveying these messages. Let me read to you one, three of my favorite examples from this book to give you a little idea of what I'm talking about when I say that some of the author's arguments are a little controversial. <laughs> Every human is a magician, and we can either put a spell on someone with our word, or we can release someone from a spell. We cast spells all the time with our opinions. An example... I see a friend and give him an opinion that just popped into my mind. I say, hmm, I see that kind of color in your face in people who are going to get cancer. If he listens to the word and if he agrees, he will have cancer in less than a year. That is the power of the word. So if you didn't get my, my little reading there, Don Miguel Ruiz is saying that if you tell someone that they look like they're going to get cancer, that they will get cancer in under a year. And that the, the, the reason why this cancer is going to reach them is not because of cell multiplication or rapid cell division. It's going to be because you told them that they, got, that they were going to get cancer. Not because of some sort of predip, uh, predisposition due to genetics, but because you told them that they look like they're going to get cancer. Now on the page previous to that one, he has another example, which let me show you. What is important to see is which kind of seeds our mind is fertile for and how to prepare it to receive seeds of love. Take the example of Hitler. He sent out all those seeds of fear and they grew very strong and beautifully achieved massive destruction. Seeing some power of the word we must understand what power comes out of our mouths. Now, in the second example, he's saying that the reason why Hitler achieved beautiful mass destruction, according to him, is because he planted seeds of fear. Now, to me, that seems like a naive oversimplification of the tragic events that happened during World War II, and a completely oversimplified version of everything. Hitler didn't just plant seeds of fear. He forced people into doing things they would have never accepted, even if they were fearless. These people didn't have a choice, even if they had fear, which a lot of them did. I'm not saying they didn't. But even the fearless people, they, there's nothing they could do about it. There's, it's not like if the seedless, the, 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 Seeds of fear, as the author says, hadn't been planted, that the events wouldn't have happened. They would have happened exactly the same way. Hitler wasn't a force of power spread by fear in its entirety. I get what he's trying to say, but I think it's a vast oversimplification of everything that happened in World War II. And I think he owes it to the victims of it to give more than a two-sentence summary of everything that happened in World War II and basically telling these people what, why what happened happened. Now, another example from the second agreement, which is to not take anything personally. It says, Humans are addicted to suffering at different levels and to different degrees, and we support each other in maintaining these addictions. Humans agree to help each other suffer. If you have the need to be abused, you will find it easy to be abused by others. Likewise, if you are with people who need to suffer, something in you makes you abuse them. 
It is as if they have a note on their back that says, Please kick me. They are asking for justification for their suffering. Their addiction to suffering is nothing but an agreement that is reinforced every day. Now again, let's slide right back here. And he is saying here that if you've been abused, it's because you've made an agreement and you perpetuate it. So basically, that any abuse that you've experienced, you've brought upon yourself. Now, I want to, to ask this author the question of if this rule also applies to children. <laughs> because I, I, I don't think a five-year-old child has made the agreement with themselves that they need to be abused. I don't think that's a conscious choice that they've made in their mind. I think that is more of an environmental decision that is not in their control. I don't think someone can change a factor about their self and then just stop being abused because they have told themselves that they mustn't be abused now. Abuse can take on many different forms. And I think saying that if people who you're around need to suffer, you're going to abuse them is so wrong in so many different ways. And it's kind of disgusting that anyone would ever think that. It's almost a justification for the abuser, almost saying that, hey, if I ever abuse you, it's because you've made an agreement with yourself that you need to suffer. It's like, what? What are you saying? Are you saying that victims of abuse are just victims of abuse because of a belief they have about themselves? Because no, if someone's getting beat up on a regular basis, an agreement they've made with themselves isn't going to stop the fact that they're going to continue getting hit over and over and over and over again. Perpetual suffering comes from abuse, not the other way around. I think... I, I, I can't even see where this guy's trying to come here. I can see an inkling of what he may have tried to maybe think, but then didn't say which is that if humans choose to suffer, that suffering will be further perpetuated over time, which, sure, right? But it's not the same thing, saying that suffering is self-fueled, than saying that if someone feels the need to be abused, it makes it easy for them to be abused, that they will be abused, and that's their fault. That is two complete different sides of the spectrum here. One is saying that... um. If you just change a mentality, you'll, your suffering is going to decrease. And the other is saying that abuse is self-inflicted, which is a horrible message to spread to other people. And it's just going to send out beliefs of even more self-deprecation and self-judgment. People are going to be like, why am I putting all this abuse on myself? Which is ridiculous. And I just completely disagree with a lot of the things that this book has said. And if you have read this book, you need to let me know what you think. But before I end this episode, I want to actually give you some of the genuinely helpful advice this book has to offer and just read to you the cover of the book, the, the flap, I mean, uh, that summarizes all the agreements so you can get some value out of this episode. <laughs> the four agreements. Number one, be impeccable with your word. Speak with integrity. Say only what you mean. Avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. Use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. 2. Don't take anything personally. Nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dream. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. 3. Don't make assumptions. 
Find the courage to ask questions and to express what you really want. Communicate with others as clearly as you want to avoid misunderstanding, sadness, and drama. With just this one agreement, you can completely transform your life. 4. Always do your best. Your best is going to change from moment to moment. It will be different from when you are healthy as opposed to sick. Under any circumstance, simply do your best and you will avoid self-judgment, self-abuse, and regret. That has been today's episode. I hope you decided that this book perhaps isn't the best for you. I hate that some people picked up this book as an introduction to the genre of nonfiction slash self-help and personal growth and just never picked up another self-development book because they thought that all of them are like this. Which, by the way, if you're one of those people, they're not. Pick up a book like The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F and you'll see that self-development can actually have good material in it. Not just utter nonsense that some 40-year-old guy claims it's truth because he says so. So I hope this gives you a little lesson that just because something sells well doesn't mean it's good material. People will make of this book what they want to. Some people will convince themselves that the teachings in this book are actually written well since they are just very standard advice that people give. Like, yeah, sure, don't say bad things. And yeah, sure, don't assume things. It's just very general advice that you could have gotten from your mom. (laughs) And I just don't think it's necessary to read this. I think just from listening to this episode and from listening to the little flap of the book, you'll just get anything that this book had to offer. Anyways, I hope you have a lovely rest of your day and that you enjoy it and be impeccable with your word. And by being impeccable with your word, tell people not to purchase this book. Have a lovely rest of your day, reader. Thank you for dedicating your time and listening to this episode. Remember, we also have a weekly newsletter, The Book Basement Bulletin. Sign up by going to the link in the show notes or by visiting thebookbasement.substack.com. Also in the show notes, a link to purchase the book I talked about in this episode. Be sure to leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts as it helps us immensely. Finally, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at bookbasementpod. That is bookbasementpod. Once again, thank you for stopping by and I hope to see you soon.